Exploring the Word is brought to you by Reclaiming America for Christ and the Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. What does it mean to live by faith? This is Pastor Paul Blair. If you have your Bibles, I ask you to take them and look to Habakkuk chapter 2, and we'll be in verse 4 for our scripture text. We're in the middle of a short series now, preaching on the trilogy of sermons that Paul preached on this one short verse, actually even the B part of Habakkuk 2.4, the just shall live by faith. We just finished a sermon dealing with the topic of justification. Today we will begin by addressing the subject of sanctification. The just shall live by faith, living by faith. We welcome you to the radio ministry of Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond. We invite you to join with us for today's Exploring the Word. Here's Pastor Paul Blair. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Again, just real brief review. Habakkuk was born during the reign of King Josiah. Of course, Josiah was the last of the great kings of Judah. He assumed the throne as just a child. He's only eight years old, but from an early age sought to follow the Lord God of Israel. And again, a great revival broke out under his leadership, and God stayed his hand of judgment upon Israel as long as Josiah reigned. Now, our text this morning, Habakkuk 2.4, God contrasts sinful man with saved man. He contrasts the pride of sinful man being left to his own devices, who is not upright and will not stand over the long haul, with the man of God whom God describes as the just shall live by his faith. Seven simple words in the King James Bible, but enough power there to transform the world, enough power to transform the church in America. As I said in my prayer, Paul used this verse to preach three different sermons in the New Testament. Romans chapter 1, Paul begins that great treatise emphasizing the just as you are justified by faith in Jesus Christ. Then in Galatians, Paul emphasizes living by faith. The just shall live by faith. And then in Hebrews chapter 10, just before Paul launches into the famous faith hall of fame, Paul emphasizes the faith part, the just shall live by faith. Well, today we're going to focus on the second aspect of that verse, the living by faith. This will be as practical of a sermon as you've ever heard and one the church most certainly needs to listen to. Now, ladies and gentlemen, salvation is not finished when you pray to receive Christ. So much of the time we as Baptists end it all right there. That's not the end. That's the beginning. That's the beginning of our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what it is. Folks, this is a new life. We walk with Jesus day by day with Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Now, we've talked about this in past weeks. It's very applicable to our study on the armor of God, to our study on prayer life, spiritual warfare and the like. But salvation consists of justification. You're a lost man. You're out here with no hope. You're living a life according to the flesh, serving yourself. And by the way, when you're serving yourself, that's actually how you serve the devil. Now, I don't mean that to be a pun. I mean, you think, well, what, did you call me the devil? Well, yeah, basically we are at that point in time. 
But it's interesting, Anton LaVey, the man that started the Satanist church, when interviewed years and years ago, this was like 1969, 1970, he was sitting there when this black, looked like a priest dressed up with some sort of chains hanging around his neck, drinking a cocktail in this interview. And he said, people don't understand, Satan worship is not sacrificing cats and doing things like that. Worshiping Satan is simply serving yourself. Wow, isn't that interesting? So here we are, the lost person, physically alive, but spiritually dead. Then one day you come face to face with your mortality. And you recognize that if you died today, you'd be in hell. And you recognize that Jesus was God who became flesh. And the reason that he came was to die for your sins. And not only did he die for your sins, but he rose again for your justification to prove that he was exactly who he said he was and that the debt was paid in full. Folks, there's no question, as we studied about last week, the thing that separates Christianity from every other ism or philosophy is the empty tomb. If Jesus was still in the grave, then we would be no different than any other Hinduism, Buddhism, Shintoism. It doesn't matter. The reason that Christianity is truth is because Jesus proved it to be true when he came out of the grave. So a person recognizes their lostness, recognizing the hopelessness that they have in themselves. There's nothing I can do to get to heaven. I can't build a ladder. I can't build a building. I can't do enough good works to get to heaven because only perfect people belong in heaven. Only someone that can sit there and say, God, scoot over. Now there are two of us that are perfect. Then you've earned a spot in heaven. But no one qualifies. We all fall short. It's only by faith in Jesus Christ. So all of a sudden, here's this one day. I'm brokenness. I recognize that Jesus is the Lord. And I call upon Him to be my Savior. And I don't commit my life. Boy, isn't that a bad word? That's a word we've accepted in Christianity since the 1970s. When the Jesus movement first became popular. But commitment's so good because I can commit and then I can decommit. Uh Uh-uh. When you become a Christian, it's surrender. I surrender all. All right, I give my heart and life to Christ. Here I am, justified, just as if I'd never sinned. I have been saved from the penalty of sin. One of these days, when the rapture comes and the trump sounds and we are caught up together to be with the Lord in the air, and 1 Corinthians 15 says that we will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye, we will be like Jesus in His glorified body. That's called glorification. That's how we're going to spend eternity. We're going to have bodies that don't wear out, don't lose their hair, and don't put on pounds around the waist or hips. Won't that be glorious? <laughs> that's glorification. That's, that's eternity living in the presence of Jesus. In between here, from the moment we are saved until the moment we die, is what's called sanctification. Every day we are to be becoming more like Jesus. That's where the spiritual warfare comes in. That's where you get up in the morning and the first thing you do is hit your knees and get to wake up the Lord. Hey, Lord, wake up. It's another day. Let's get started. You get in your devotional. You get in your Bible study. You are walking with Christ minute by minute, day by day. Now, folks, part of the problem in Christian America is that we don't understand what faith is. Now, next week, we're going to delve into that topic. But let me quickly state the following. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is not an emotion. In fact, sometimes faith works in the exact opposite or feelings or emotions. How many of you ever taught your kids to swim? You didn't? Well, were you hoping they'd drown? I did. We used to have, in fact, we had a swimming pool in every house we had up until the the one we live in now. Cindy got tired of taking care of it. I always thought it was a good idea, but anyway. 
But I remember teaching the kids to swim, getting them to jump off in the pool. You know what? Those little rascals are sitting over there on the edge of the pool, and Dad and Mom are out here in the pool floating with our hands up saying, Okay, Joshua, jump to us. Okay, Jacob, come on, jump. I'll catch you. Guess what? Their feelings said no. Their emotions said no. But faith was ultimately going against their emotions, going against their feelings, and trusting in the promise of their father or their mother and leaping into the arms of father or mother, trusting that we would be able to keep the promises that we've made to them. Folks, faith is trusting the promise of a loving father, even when your emotions may say otherwise, but knowing that he is trustworthy. So the just... That is us, those who have bent the knee to Jesus, shall live. Shall live what? Shall live their lives. In this case, as we're focusing on sanctification, the Galatians aspect of this trilogy of sermons, by faith. So how do we live by faith? Romans 10, 17 tells us, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now listen very closely. This next statement is going to make a big difference in how you study your Bible. In Hebrew, to hear anticipates an appropriate response and action. It doesn't just mean, hey, I heard a noise. It means I obeyed the command is what it means. Consider Luke chapter 1. We see Zacharias in the temple ministering. His big day, all of a sudden, Gabriel shows up to tell him that he is actually going to have a son in his old age, John the Baptist. And notice the words of the angel. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Now let me ask you a question. Zacharias had been praying for years to have a son. Now, do you think God wasn't listening all those days? Do you think it was beyond God's ability to hear? You think God was paying, oh, what, did you say something? No, God heard it all. But the point here is God heard and has responded to your prayer. Consider Deuteronomy 6.4, the Shema. Hear, O Israel. This is their pledge of allegiance, their commitment of faith done twice a day. Hear, O Israel. The Lord your God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto the children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be frontlets between thy eyes. And thou shalt write them on the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Hear, O Israel. Not just, did you say something, God? Oh, that's nice. Have a good day. No. Here, now do in every aspect of your life, whether you're awake, whether you're asleep, whether you're out doing business, whether you're in the doors of your house. You follow me? Exodus seven sixteen, Moses going to go see Pharaoh. God says, and thou shalt say unto him, the Lord God of the Hebrews hath sent me unto thee, saying, let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness, and behold, hitherto thou wouldest not hear. Now Moses had been there on repeated occasions saying, Pharaoh, God said, let my people go. Did Pharaoh not hear him? No, he heard him with his ear, but to this point, he had not responded to the request. Are you still with me? Ultimately, after the 10th plague, he did hear because something happened. And consider as clear as any other teaching what Jesus taught in Mark 4, 9. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. You've heard my teaching, now take it to heart and to obey it. So, 
How now shall we live as Christians? How do you live by faith? According to the Word of God. By acting on the instruction that God has given to us. Why this is so simple. Why do we make the Christian walk so hard? Folks, God has not left us as rudderless ships to drift the seas driven by emotion. God has given us clear direction. One man I heard years ago put it like this. The Bible is an acronym for basic instruction before leaving earth. I like that. The Bible is God's revelation of himself to man. John opens up in his first epistle, 1 John, with these words. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life, for the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness to show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us, and that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship was with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. Now let me just ask you a question. Two weeks ago, we covered justification. The just shall live, born again, by faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Tie that in with what we just read here. How many of you saw Jesus in his resurrected body? Anybody? No? You know why? That was 2,000 years ago. How many of you were there when the angel was sitting on the stone saying, He's not here. He has risen. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. Anybody there? No? That was 2,000 years ago. Well, then how can you believe that Jesus died and rose again? By the word of God. Exactly right. Faye lifted her Bible. As John said, we were witnesses. We saw it. We touched his hands. We talked with him. We know it. And we're giving it to you. Hey, put your faith and trust in this guy. Our salvation comes by faith in the finished word of God. Everybody still with me? Now, this book is more than just the revelation of Christ to us. In this is God's love letter to man. It's God's redemption plan. It's God's revelation. We see history. We see prophecy in the Bible. But we also see the will of God, not only for eternity, but for this life. We see God's counsel for how we are to live now. Now, here's the typical scenario. I'm a Christian. And I'm a real Christian. I've truly put my faith in Jesus Christ. I was real serious. I understood that, that he truly died for my sins and I was lost. I can't earn it. I, I got on my knees. I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I am justified by faith in Jesus Christ. However, in the typical American church, you hear about 90% stories and illustrations and maybe 10% Bible truth and applications. And then anymore, the desire in the American church is we want to go have a good time. We want to have an experience. And what we mean by experience is we want to experience the emotions of good singing and good music and atmosphere and then have some 15-minute motivational talk to make me feel good about myself. But don't get into the weeds. We don't want to complicate things or do anything that's controversial. You know, I might not come back next week rather than getting into the nitty-gritty of the nuts and bolts of biblical truth. So at that point, we have no biblical knowledge. And we are left to feed our intellect on secular media, Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, secular education from elementary schools, uh, public elementary schools up to public universities. Folks, public education was at one time phenomenal. And let me say this, we've got a lot of phenomenal people that are working in public education. We've got a lot of good Christian people doing their best 
in public education. But what we have is a big ogre government that says, you teachers better not say anything about Jesus. Folks, how can you teach anyone the truth if you don't acknowledge the truth? And that's where we have gotten to today. So when you consider that postmodernism, secularism, is what is taught in public education, it's what's taught in university setting, it's what's taught in the mass media, what kind of worldview are we as Christians going to have? A biblical worldview? No. We're going to have a postmodern worldview. I showed you this stat before, George Barna. George Barna did a survey, showed that 9% of born-again Christians. Now, when you identify yourself as a born-again Christian, that is by your own self identifying as the most conservative group of Christians as they survey. So this would be, if, if they were to come survey Fairview Baptist Church and say, hey, we'd like to have you all answer this questionnaire, we would identify as born-again Christians because by their classification system, that's the most conservative. Well, of the born-again Christians, when tested, they grade a 9% on biblical worldview testing. How many of you parents would be happy if your kids came home with a 9%? That's 9% out of 100. By the way, Baptists were worse. We were at 8%. We're worse than the average. So what's the prevalent worldview? Postmodernism, Folks, so that's how we function. We are born again positionally. We have been saved by faith, but we don't actually live by faith. Is everybody still with me? Okay. We live by the world's wisdom, which obviously fails. And then as Christians, we pray for God to rescue us from our bad behavior. That's what we call living by faith. No, that's making God into a genie in a bottle. That every time you're in a fix, you rub the bottle and ask him to come out and bail you out of your bad consequences from your bad decisions. Folks, listen to this. This will transform your life as a believer more than anything else. Living by faith means to actually apply the word and wisdom of God to your life day by day. Walking with Jesus in a life of obedience. That is living by faith. As I said a few weeks ago, and it got some buzz around here. That's a great statement. I made it again at Broken Arrow Thursday night. Quit trying to pray your way out of situations that you behave yourself into. Do you want God just to be an enabler? Let you continue to make bad decisions and then ask Him and expect Him to come bail you out as you repeatedly time after time after time ignore His will for your life, do what you want to do, and then expect Him to come rescue you? Folks, just change your walk. Start living by faith and you'll find the results are completely different. In fact, you'll like them a lot more. Consider it like concentric circles working their way out like ripples of water when you cast a stone into a pond. Begin applying God's will to you, then start applying it to your home, then to your work life, your church life, your civil life as it works on out. Quickly, let me just give you four or five examples, practical illustrations of what it means to live by faith. First of all, live by faith includes your behavior. Self-government. Folks, as we said a while ago, a prayer unto the Lord is the beginning of your walk with Jesus. That begins now and extends throughout all eternity. It is eternal life. We are walking with Christ. Now let me give you an illustration that I heard yesterday at the Billy Graham deal. It's really, really good. I'm going I'm to use it. I'm going to borrow it, not steal it, because we Baptists wouldn't steal anything. Think about this. Walking with God. I thought this was great. You know, we come to faith with childlike faith. 
you know, we put our faith and trust in God believing that He is. And, you know, it's interesting. That's where Genesis begins. You know, the Bible doesn't tell you where God came from. The Bible doesn't give you all the answers. It gives you all that God is going to reveal to you at this day and time. But when you observe the evidence, only a fool would say in his heart there is no God. And that's where the Bible starts. In the beginning, God. Okay, he's already here. Well, a child can comprehend that. A child with childlike faith can say, okay, I recognize, yeah, God is. I recognize, I believe it. I put my faith in that, and I'm saved. A child can also walk by faith. You know what? A child will go anywhere as long as you're holding hands with dad. There is not an alley too dark, an alley too scary, a situation. If I've got daddy by the hand and daddy's leading me, I am fearless. And that's how we are to be walking by faith with God. But what happens to all of our children? One day they turn into teenagers. The Bible calls them demons. And what do teenagers want to do? I don't want to hold your hand. Don't you tell me what to do. However, mommy, daddy, I do want your wallet. Now, where are we in our walk of faith? Are we children or are we teenagers? Heavenly Father, I want to hold you by the hand. You lead me day by day. I'm I'm afraid of nothing as long as I'm holding my father by the hand. Let's go. I want to do your will, God. Or... God, leave me alone. I'm going to do it my way, but as soon as I'm in a fix, oh God, come help me. It begins with self-government. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. Your what? Your bodies, a living sacrifice. Holy, holy bodies, acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. What goes in here is what comes out here that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Ladies and gentlemen, God expects you to exercise self-control over your body and over your behavior. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Folks, in Jewish thought, there was no distinction between the secular and the sacred. You belong to God. As a Christian, there is no separation between the secular and the sacred. Everything you do should be done for the glory of God. And by the way, if you're involved in it, there's a very good chance that God has shed some light as to what you're involved in. In fact, by the way, how you behave out there is a testimony of God to the world around you. And it's far more effective testimony than any track will hand out. In fact, Peter details this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. He says this, writing to Christians, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, but have your behavior, your manner of living, your lifestyle, your conversation, honest, out among the Gentiles. That whereas they make false accusations against you as evildoers, they may actually behold your good works 
which they shall behold and glorify God in the day of illustration. Then he gives several examples in this same epistle. He talks about Christians. We ought to be good citizens. And we should be good citizens. By the way, we're to obey the laws of the land unless the laws are contrary to the law of God. That's our responsibility as citizens. We're supposed to be the best employees. Did you know that if you come to work late and leave early and you're playing cards on the computer screen when the boss isn't looking, you are giving Jesus a bad name if you call yourself a Christian. The way you work is a testimony unto God. And you should be a great testimony there. And even in your own home, Peter gets into. Folks, and that's the toughie. My goodness, everybody can, everybody can put on that Christian suit when they come to church on Sunday morning. But you know who gets to see the real you? Your kids. Your spouse. You know what? You want to know how your Christian walk is? Why don't you ask your spouse what kind of a Christian you are? Or better yet, don't. <laughs> Folks, this is self-control. This is living godly in Christ Jesus. This is living by faith. And within the church body, we're supposed to live by faith. Now, you Baptists, if I was preaching on drinking, you'd all be hooting and hollering up here. Amen! Yeah, exactly. We're supposed to love one another. Living by faith, folks. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. What's the Word of God say? Love one another as you love yourself. In other words, treat others with the same scales of justice that you want others to be treated. Treat others the way you want to be treated. To paraphrase Leviticus 18, which is what Jesus referenced when he was asked in the temple court by the lawyer, what is the great commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God, the Shema, Deuteronomy 6.4. And he added to it Leviticus 6.18, which is like unto it, which says this to paraphrase. Now, make this checklist for you and your behavior in our church with our church body. Be charitable, but don't create charity cases. Don't steal. Don't deceive. Pay your debts. Be generous. Don't exploit the poor or weak. Be just. Don't be a specter of persons just because somebody's rich. Don't gossip. Don't spread rumors or participate in character assassination. Don't plot evil or go along with an evil plot against someone. Don't bear a grudge. Love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. We ought to have that copied and put on our shaving mirrors. Hopefully you women aren't shaving, but as you're combing your hair in the morning, you need to see it as well. Folks, the just shall live by faith. This is living by faith. Consider... Paul's admonition to the churches. Colossians 3. To the church. Do you want to live by faith? Okay, here it is. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, a heart of mercy, kindness, humility, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. This is Pastor Paul Blair. Thank you for joining us for today's edition of Exploring the Word. And we look forward to being with you next time for the conclusion of today's message. Until then, may God bless you. 
You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond. We hope that today's journey in God's Word has been a blessing to you. You can find more sermons and resources at our church's website, www.fairviewbaptistedmond.org or call 405-348-1745. Join us again each weekday for Exploring the Word from Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond.